Well, what a delight it is again to be able to preach from behind this sacred desk. So exciting to see what God is doing here at Grace Covenant. And um, for that, we're thankful, aren't we? We give the Lord the praise and all the glory. I invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 19. Let's read verse 1 through verse 9. Psalm 19, 1 through verse 9. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their utterance is to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a young man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens, and its circuit to the other end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. That is indeed God's word to God's people. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says that the grass withers and the flower fades away. What the word of God endures forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious Lord Yahweh, our Father and our God. We praise you. We worship you, God, in the beauty of your holiness. You alone are God and there is no other. God, it's our heartfelt prayer today that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that would be receptive to your truth in this very hour. Thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us into all truth. Thank you, God, for your word that you've actually magnified above your name. Jesus, you pray that, we'd be, that we would be sanctified through your truth because your word is the truth. And again, God, for that, we are so very, very thankful. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have anything to do with social media, there's been a hot topic recently that has been hard to avoid if, again, you do have anything to do with social media. And the topic is about a pastor named Andy Stanley. Andy pastors a large church in Atlanta called North Point Church. He's very much listened to by view, by, by view of TV, social media, 
other outlets. And on every, every, any given Sunday, with the other locations of church campuses all across Atlanta, every Sunday is approximately 38,000 people in attendance that come to hear Pastor Andy Stanley preach the Bible. But Andy said something recently, maybe you've heard this or maybe you didn't hear it. And when I heard it, if someone had told me he said this, I don't know if I'd have been so quick to believe it unless I could have heard it myself and seen him say it himself. And so I checked it out for myself, and I can verify that with my eyes and with my ears, I saw him and I heard him say this, quote, to use the quote the Bible says is not an adequate starting or returning point for many adults today. I'm going to say it again. I'm quoting Andy Stanley. He said, to say, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says is not an adequate starting or returning point for many adults today. Well, I'm here to say, based on the argument that God's word gives us concerning that statement that it's not true. The Bible contradicts that statement clearly. And if we are to be a church that Jesus Christ is building, we need to hear what he says. And the world needs to hear what he says. It's interesting that in light of what he said, I noticed in one message I listened to in most of his entirety, he said quite often, now here's what I think about it, and we need to figure this thing out. More than once, now here's what I think about it, and we need to figure this out. I don't think you want to hear what I think about anything, do you? Unless it's maybe in casual conversation over maybe some sporting event or something we have in common that we like to do, whether it be hitting a golf ball or going fishing. You might want to hear what I think about that. And I might want to hear what you think about that, but, but when we come within the four walls of a meeting house and you are the church, this meeting house only becomes the church when you get here. Once you're here, this is the church, but once you leave, it remains just to be another meeting house. And by the way, it's a beautiful meeting house, and we're thankful for that. I'm not being negative about that. But my point simply is, is when we come together, we come together to hear, thus saith the Lord. What does the Bible say? 
and hopefully with clarity, preciseness, accuracy, and with a pastor as you have here and Pastor Mark who has a passion without a doubt to teach you, thus saith the Lord. To teach you what God means by what he says. So that means you've got to hear what the Bible says. Everything is prefaced by what the Bible says. So it's not what I think or what Andy Stanley thinks, but then yet, what is there really to figure out about this? I mean, this is not a hard thing to understand. This is, this is not a difficult thing to get a hold of. What is there to figure out? Do I know more than God? Has God messed up with this thing called church? Does he really need my assistance? Does he really, does he really need my advice? Does God need my counsel? I mean, can I improve on anything that God has said in his word? Absolutely not. None of us can. The word of God is the infallible, inerrant, authoritative, sufficient, and most adequate word of God. To say that the Bible says it's not adequate, that's a problem. That's a serious problem. So when you begin to think about what again Andy, Stead and Andy Stanley said, and please don't think that I'm up on this pulpit here trying to have a day to really take it out on Andy Stanley. I'm not. But he has a tremendous amount of influence over a lot of people's lives. And those people need to hear what the Bible says. And what is interesting though, whether it's a Joel Osteen or whether it's Andy Stanley or whether it's anybody that calls themselves preachers, that there's usually just enough of the truth they say that lends them some degree of credibility. But in a lot of ways, in the end... It's almost as though they pick and choose what they believe is inerrant, is infallible, is authoritative, and that's what they'll talk about or that's what they'll preach about. But my question is, how do you do that? How would you ever begin to go to the Bible and try to pick and choose what you would preach and what you wouldn't preach because you believe that maybe some of the stories of the Bible are not true? Uh, you, may, you may believe that I know that's what God said, but that's not what he really means. I mean, we could go on and on with things that we would think that might legitimize why we might not preach that or we would skip over that. But the truth is, that is absolutely wrong. It does not honor God. It does not bring honor and glory to God. If anything, is a reproach on God and His kingdom and His church. When I was thinking about these thoughts, and we're going to be getting to Psalm 19 here in just a moment. But when I was thinking about these things about Andy Stanley and other things that I've heard and I'm seeing today through social media... It burns up the social media platform and all these things that we read and we see that contradict the inerrancy and the veracity of God's truth found in His Word. I just 
went back to the Old Testament and I began just to look at some various scriptures, especially in Jeremiah, where God addressed those that they called themselves prophets and they spoke on God's behalf, but God wanted to make sure we understood and it was clear that when he spoke through Jeremiah, for those that said he was speaking through them, God was saying, I didn't say that through them and I was not speaking through them. And then even those that that would say that this is something that, again, might not be like, in the words of Andy Stanley, adequate or sufficient. God would be quick to rebuke that and correct that in so many ways, in so many places in Jeremiah, that if I read them all, we'd be here for just over an hour reading that in the book of Jeremiah. But let me just give you a couple of things that God said through Jeremiah. Chapter 5, verse 13 He said, the prophets are as wind, and the word is not in them, saith the Lord. Now, if you've done any study, especially in Jeremiah, most everything that he would say would be prefaced by, thus saith the Lord. In other words, he's telling you, this is what God is saying. And another way we can say that today is to say, because we have the full, complete canonization of the Word of God, which is in our Bibles today, that we would say, we would say, this is what the Bible says. But he would call, through Jeremiah, any man that would call himself a prophet or a preacher who did not say what God says, nothing but a bag of wind. That's what he said. Then we look in chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. Listen to what it says. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this. And this again is prefaced by, thus saith the Lord. That means this is what God is saying. That means this is what the Bible says. He goes on to say, let him boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. The Bible says that God delights in justice, loving kindness, In righteousness in the earth, he delights in these things, declares the Lord. The Bible says the Lord delights in those things. But today, some preachers would say that that is not adequate to say as a starting or even a returning point to people that the Bible says. Are you ashamed? Am I ashamed to speak of Christ and tell people what the Bible says? Are we so 
embarrassed by what the Bible says? Do we think that if we tell people what the Bible says, they might get offended or they might get turned off or they might feel like, oh my goodness, they are judging me? Listen, folks. There's no excuse for it. If indeed we believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Even Jeremiah said this in chapter 15, verse 16. He said, I found the Word and I ate it. I found the Word and I ate it. That word find means he didn't just happily come across the Bible and he found it. He was looking. I found it. I looked. I read. I studied. I found the Word and it was the rejoicing in the joy of my heart. There is joy to be experienced, joy to be embraced, joy to be lived out of a life that wants to hear what the Bible says. Jeremiah 23 verse 16 starts out by saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts. Do not listen to the words of the prophets who are prophesying to you because they are leading you into, into futility. They speak a vision of their own imagination, not from the mouth of the Lord. They're not telling you what the Bible says. Can you say amen? And then Jeremiah 24 verse 36 says, For you will no longer remember the oracle of the Lord. Because every man's own word will become the oracle. And you have perverted the words of the living God. The Lord of hosts, our God, thus saith the Lord. Now that's just a few verses that the scripture says. But Andy was saying, here's what I think. Here's what I think. And we got to figure this thing out. Here's what I think. And we've got to figure this thing out. I promise you we're going to get back to Psalm 19. But if you would, turn to Matthew 4 just for a moment. There is some wonderful examples of making sure we understand that by God's standard and His standard alone, it's okay to tell people at the beginning and where it is in the middle and where it ends up what the Bible says. You know Matthew 4, the temptation of Jesus. Verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, that is Satan, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Satan knew he was the Son of God. He knew that Christ was deity. Christ could have looked at the stones and turned them and made them the best baked bread you could put in your mouth. And he could have been nourished and he could have got his fill. 
But what did Jesus do? Notice what he didn't do. It says, and he answered him and said, Well, I can't really tell you what the Bible says. I, I can't tell you what the Bible says, but let me, let me somehow figure this thing out, devil, and I'll get back to you. No, Jesus told the devil what the Bible says. Did he not? He answered and said, it is written. In essence, what he was saying is, this is what the Bible says, Satan. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word. We live by every word. We live by what the Bible says. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He goes on further. Satan didn't succeed there. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you're the son of God, that's a rhetorical question. He knew he was. Throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, well, I can't tell you what the Bible says. But let me figure this out and I'll get back to you in a few. Did Jesus do that? No. What did he do? It is written. He told the devil what the Bible says. But some would say to say that the Bible says is not adequate. To me that's another fancy word that it's not sufficient. You mean to tell me if I stand behind this sacred desk, if Pastor Mark stands behind this sacred desk, if Pastor Charles behind, stands behind this sacred desk, if we tell you what God says, is that in vain? Is that, is that useless? Will it not profit anyone? Will it not do anything for anybody? What did God say in Isaiah 55, 11? God said, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I please. And it will prosper in the place where I send it. It's like I heard a preacher say one time, this is the mail and we're just the carrier. We're delivering the message. We're delivering to you what God says. We are passionate. We are committed. We have one call, one allegiance, and that is to obey Christ and tell you what the Bible says. No, Jesus didn't say, I've got to, I can't tell you what the Bible says. I, I've got to really figure this thing out. He says it is written. He told him what the Bible says. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus told him what the Bible says. We need to tell people what the Bible says. Then again, verse 8, again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Jesus says, well, I can't tell you what the Bible says. Is that what he said? I, I can't tell you what the Bible says, but just, just give me a few minutes to myself, devil, and 
I'll figure this out and I'll be back at you. Or come back to you. Folks, I hope you don't think I'm being facetious or being a smart aleck. I'm just here driving a point. Jesus told the devil what the Bible says. He said, it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. Oh my goodness. You think about salvation. We know Romans 10. How can you believe unless you hear the preacher sent? He comes telling you what the Bible says, preaching to you what the Bible says, doing his best to explain to you what God means by what he says. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word pertaining to Christ. What the Bible says about Christ, faith comes. 8 9, if you confess with the mouth of the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. With your heart you believe, and with your mouth you confess. Why? Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word, what the word says about Christ. And then one last thought in the New Testament as well. One of my favorite scriptures in 1 Peter. I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass. Peter's quoting Isaiah here in chapter 40. <coughs> all flesh is like grass. And all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers. The flower falls away or falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. There you have it. Do people need to hear what the Bible says? Is there an argument to be made biblically that contradicts such a statement that you can't say what the Bible says because that's not adequate or that's not sufficient? Clear case, biblically, that we're mandated, we're called to tell people what the Bible says. Back to Psalm 19, folks. I think if there's any place in the Bible that best gives us God's very own personal testimony of His own Word. In other words, God's testimony, God's self-revelation of His own Word is found in verse 7 through verse 9. And what we're going to see here over the next few minutes is that we're going to see six very descriptive titles that's given to the Bible. Within the framework of those six descriptive titles, we're going to see six distinctive features about those six descriptive titles that God, by His own testimony of His own Word, gives to us. And then also six definitive benefits of what that 
word will do through those descriptive titles and those distinctive features that brings out definitive benefits. I want you to notice again, we read it a few moments ago, but in these three verses, all six times, there are six times found here of the Lord, of the Lord, of the Lord, of the Lord, six times. It's really the key phrase in these verses, of the Lord. We know any time, especially in most and all English translations of the Bible, any time in the Old Testament you find the word Lord in all caps, that's usually translated Yahweh. That's the name of the Lord. That's the covenant name of the Lord. And that's the key phrase in all of these verses, six times of the Lord. And it's used primarily to identify the source of the adequacy and the sufficiency of the Word of God. It's of the Lord. 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 Six times of the Lord. The source of this truth, the reason why we tell people what the Bible says is because it's of the Lord. It's of the Lord. We tell people what the Bible says because it's the word of the Lord. The first title he gives, descriptive title he gives to his word is law. That is better translated the Torah. And it really points to the very direct teaching nature of God's word. It's his divine teaching. And it really implies that the law of the Lord, which is the first descriptive title that God gives his own word, his own testimony of his own word, is to realize that the Torah is God's standard for man's conduct. You can only communicate that with people by telling them what the Bible says. But what is interesting here through that first descriptive title called the law, and then the the very distinct feature about it or the characteristic of it is that it's, um, it's perfect. It's perfect. Look at that. The law of the Lord is perfect. It means it's complete. It means that it lacks nothing. It means it is totally adequate, completely sufficient to do what God said it would do. The word perfect, there's the same word you'll find about the peace of God in Isaiah 26.3. It says there, the Lord says, He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Him because you trust in Him. That word there, perfect, is a word that again means lacks nothing, totally rounded, comprehensive, lacks nothing, and in its totality is completely sufficient. Even what God was saying through Isaiah 26.3 is to say no matter what you go through, no matter what you encounter, no matter what you may have occurring in your life, even at this very moment, whether it's difficult, detrimental, hardship, difficulties physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever the case may be, the peace of God is so perfect because it's God himself. It's so perfect 
is so complete, is so comprehensive that there's nothing you could ever go through that yet God's peace is greater and He says He will keep you in that peace because you trust in Him. But the only way you can know that is by knowing what the Bible says. Knowing what the Bible says. And He says here, that descriptive title called the law and the feature or the characteristic of that descriptive title law is it's perfect, but notice the benefit of it. It restores the soul. That is to say, telling people what the Bible says, so perfect, so complete, lacking nothing, comprehensive, so full, so Lacking nothing so sufficient that it's able to do and provide what is needed for your entire soul to be transformed. Salvation, sanctification, transforms. Second Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, any person in Christ, their new creation, old things are passed away, all things new transformation, born again, not of a seed that's corruptible, but an incorruptible seed by the word of God. And Peter said, as we were a while ago, that's the word that was preached to you. When you believe, you heard what the Bible said. You heard it preached. You believe it. There's the incorruptible seed. And it literally transformed your life. But you can't tell people what the Bible says. That's, an, that's not adequate. Not according to God's own testimony about his word. Then he calls it, the testimony. Testimony, here's another descriptive title that God gives to his word. And it's actually, it's actually the testimony of God's own self-disclosure that describes who he is. In other words, this testimony of the Lord that's another descriptive title given to the Bible is God's self-disclosure that describes who he is. It's a complete witness to the truth of who God is. It just simply means... You've got to tell people what the Bible says so that people can know who God is. That's pretty simple, isn't it? It's not hard to understand. But he said this testimony, that's the other descriptive title of the Bible, is God's own self-disclosure that describes who he is. It's a complete witness to the truth about God. He says that what is characteristic of that is that it's sure. So we've gone from perfect now to sure. Sure, there is a word that means it's totally reliable. It means that when you tell people what the Bible says, and when the pastor or the preacher preaches to you what the Bible says, you never have to second guess it. You never have to doubt it. It is so sure, it is so unwavering, is so immovable, it can be totally, completely trusted without any reservation. But you can't tell people what the Bible says because that's not adequate. Wow. The Bible's sure. And it says here how it will benefit you. It makes the wise simple. That just simply means this. It can take the most naive, undiscerning mind and make it wise. I agree with John MacArthur. I think one of the greatest problems in the church today is the lack of discernment. 
too gullible to believe just anything and everything. If we can package it just right, make it look good, make it sound good, if we can really make you feel better about you, if we can somehow upload you and just give you a surge of self-confidence and self-worth and self-love, that's what you need. No. We need biblical discernment. And you're not going to get that if you're not hearing what the Bible says. Then let's move on here. Time is running out here. He calls it the law, the testimony, but also the precepts. Or it could be translated means statues. Statues of the Lord is another title. Precepts basically means the same thing. Another descriptive title that God gives to his word. It's God's own testimony to his word. Again, think about it. This is God's own testimony to how he views his Word. Man, it's awesome. And these precepts, these statues are really characteristic. What is characteristic or what is featured by it, what is the distinctive feature about this is that it speaks of divine doctrines and principles that the Lord wants us to know. Is doctrine important? Oh gosh, yes. Is the precepts of God and the truth of God and the doctrine of God important? Absolutely. Man, as Pastor Mark goes through the catechism and stuff, that's so important. It's so important to understand what the Bible says because of what we believe about what the Bible says. And what is characteristic here is that he calls it right. So we've gone from perfect to sure in God's own testimony about his own word. He says it's perfect, it's sure, and it's right. Perfect, sure, and it's right. Meaning a right path as opposed to a wrong path. What does Psalm 119 verse 105 says? His word is a lamp unto our feet, a light into our path. But don't tell anybody what the Bible says. But if we tell you what the Bible says, it's a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. It's right. It guides down a right path. Proverbs says there's a, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. But the statues and the precepts of the Lord are right. And it says here, Rejoicing the heart, it brings joy. Folks, I tell you something, and I say it without reservation. I am 67 years young. Soon coming up on 45 years of having the distinct blessing and privilege of telling people what God's word says And I can tell you, I've got more joy about it today than when I was saved in 1975 and over almost the 45 years of preaching it. I'm telling you, this doesn't wane. This doesn't decrease. The more you hear the Bible, the more you grow in the truth, the greater the joy. The greater the joy. And that's what he's saying here. The results of applying the Word of God, obeying its precepts, is truly true joy. Let's move on. The other title God gives His Word is the commandment of the Lord. 
Commandment is the binding and authoritative mandate that God gives to us. It is the authoritative binding character of Scripture. It's authoritative. It's God's authority. And He says it's pure. So now we've gone from God's testimony of His Word from it being perfect, sure, right, and pure. That simply means that it's translucent. It makes things clear. Even the dark things become clear and lucid and understandable. I realize that there are some things that more there are some things that we find sometimes it might be difficult to understand. I get that in the Bible. But yet there's so much that is easy to understand. And that's what this implies. Gosh, i got to do this one thing here. You don't have to turn to this, but if you want to, you can. But it's such a powerful biblical illustration of this point here about the commandment of the Lord. Uh, again, it's pure, it's translucent. It makes things clear. Even the dark things become understandable. I'm sure you're familiar with the road to Emmaus experience with the two Disciples are the two people that were walking on their way to Emmaus and encountered Christ. And at the beginning of that walk, they didn't know who he was, although it was Christ. When you look at verse 15, while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him, but it was Christ. Do you remember that story? The road to Emmaus. And then when you look down and read, he could tell that these two individuals were downcast. They were discouraged. It's like they were despondent. And Jesus says, hey, what's going on? What, what? And they don't know who he is, but what's going on? Why, why are you so downcast? And it's like, where have you been? Now they're talking to Jesus. Where have you been? Don't you know what just happened? The Messiah Christ died on the cross and he's buried. And it's like, it's over. It's over. And what does Jesus do? It says that he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken or what the Bible has said or what the prophets have said that spoke on God's behalf. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into His glory? But then look at verse 27. Then beginning with Moses or beginning from Moses... Now think about this. I, I think the journey from Jerusalem on that Emmaus road to the destination was about a, maybe a seven-mile walk, I think it was. But ever how Christ was able to do it, then beginning from Moses and from all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Graphe. All that is written. Jesus was telling them what the Bible said about him. But you can't tell people what the Bible says, right? But Jesus again is telling them what the Bible said about him. He explained it. He expounded on it. Verse 28, and they approached the village where they were going and he acted as though he were going, uh, as though he were going further uh, but they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it's getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. 
And when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. And then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining That word there explaining means to open up completely. In other words, why he was explaining, why he was opening up completely to us what essentially the Bible says. The revelation is here. It's the truth of God's word. But we need the illumination. But you got to hear what the Bible says. And then quickly here. He goes on back in Psalm 19. He calls also his word the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is simply the handbook, the word of God, on appropriately fearing and worshiping God. That's what that means. And may I just add a thought here? If I would be so bold to tell someone not to say what the Bible says, that it's not adequate, would that be any indication that there's a lack of understanding what it means to fear God? If I was to do such a thing, or if you were to do such a thing. So again, the fear of the Lord, again, speaking of another title or another scripted title given to the Bible, is a manual or God's manual on appropriately fearing and worshiping God. And he says it's clean. So we've gone from perfect, sure, right, pure, and clean. That is to say that the Bible is without flaw. It has no blemish. There's no impurity. There's no defilement. It is as pure as a white driven snow. But I can't tell you what the Bible says. It is not subject to cultural interpretation because it's everlasting. It says that his word endures forever. In the last title, the judgments of the Lord. That is to say that the scripture provides divine, the, to us the divine verdicts of God himself. It means that the commandments of the Bible are the eternally supreme judges legal decrees for the life of our eternal destiny for all mankind. And it says that it's true. The distinct feature about the judgments of the Lord, God's divine verdicts of God himself, his commandments of the Bible, giving as a eternal, supreme, legal decrees for the life, the eternal destiny for all mankind. He says that is true. So we go from perfect to sure to right to pure to clean to true. It means that it is totally, completely relevant, applicable, dependable. It's totally true because, again, how it benefits you is that it's righteous altogether. John MacArthur says something recently I thought was so good. He said, an inerrant Bible demands expository preaching. It demands telling people what God means by what he says. If every word is true, every word must be preached. Otherwise, you are editing God. Inerrancy says the Bible is true. Sufficiency says the Bible and what the Bible says 
is all you need. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this word. Thank you, God. Your glory.